But I remember after your brother died, we were driving around Toronto for different mm-hmm. things, getting ready for the funeral. And your sister was like, I just keep feeling like I'm going to see him walking down the street. Hi, Onyx fam. Welcome to the Onyx Life, where change comes with challenge. Every episode, we try to take you on a journey, moving you from the struggle life to the Onyx Life, creating happy homes, financial empires, and exploring the lighter side of life. My name is Merthel. And I'm Rita. Today, we're going to be talking about grief and the stages of grief. So we were gone for about, I want to say... Um, well, we were gone from the podcast about two weeks. We actually left town for almost that amount of time as well. We had a death in the family that we were dealing with. <clears throat> and as you can tell, if my throat's a little bit um, gnarly, it's because I was sick during that time. And it's like I thought I was better, and then I got back, and then I seemed to kind of regressed a bit. So, you know, I'm still on the up and up or I'm trying to get on the up and up but we were gone right after saying hey guys we're back you know we uploaded for a week and then we had this um, family emergency and while we were gone my uh, my aunt passed away now we were there for her final days and then we were there for her um, you know the services after and something with grief with our family is that we've dealt with a lot of it over the last right. several years since I've met. I mean, when first of all, let me back up a bit. When I grew up, I didn't have to deal with really grief or death. I didn't know anybody who had died personally. <clears throat> there in your was, close family unit, you didn't have... In my family, yes. Right, there was no real uncle that was close to you or an aunt that was close to you right if somebody died in your family it was someone that you never met or you just didn't know them very well at all right and you know when i was in high school i remember there was a couple of students who had died but they were never very close to me so i never had to deal with a close death in fact this um death that i just recently um dealt with i would say she was the closest person to me that has passed away. Right. I mean, I there's a side of my family I'm not very close to. And in that side, I've had people who technically might have been closer. I've had a brother who died, but I didn't mm-hmm. really know him that well. Right. And I had another aunt um, who died. I didn't know her that well. But on this side that I'm very close to, um, that I was raised with. Um, they she, haven't really experienced any death right, in their immediate just, family. We just haven't. So for me to deal with it, it was pretty, um, it was a new experience, but then at the same time, like I'm saying, we have been dealing with this for different deaths over the last several years. Well, the funny thing is, is that, well, it's not haha funny, but the interesting thing is, is that as soon as we got married, your brother uh, died two months later, my brother, we had to be flying out for my brother's funeral. So then after that, your grandfather died grandfather died within that same, same month. year or same know. month really and there were sudden deaths so it wasn't like it was expected right and then um and then you know several years later my dad died but mm-hmm. I, I it seemed as though all the experiences is on my side of the family and then, then your my grandmother died and my grandmother who had i'd been really close with died. but you know she was 98 going on 99 i don't look at it not as not sad but it's like well it's expected 
Right. And then, Everything else was pretty much unexpected. Right. Then just this past December, my sister, who was like 44, died. Mm-hmm. And that was really unexpected. We had just, you know, had a Thanksgiving dinner with her and her family. And it's kind of sad. Yeah, it was very unexpected. Right. And so now we're dealing with my aunt. Mm-hmm. And I have to think about how the kids are really dealing with this because, you know, just ha- dealing with it in at a tender age of 11 or 15 All or even the older deaths. teens, 18 right. and 19, how are they processing everything? How are they dealing with it? And we've kind of noticed some behaviors that well, we we're like... You know what's interesting? Before we even talk about that, mm-hmm. you know, death and grief run so deep that I don't think that any of us fully realize how much it really impacts us, especially if we're not really paying attention because... As soon as your aunt started getting ill, which was just like she she had a stroke and the moment that that happened and we realized that it was serious this time and it was something that was more than likely going to take her life, you ended up, you haven't been able to sleep. Well, now you're starting to sleep better now, but from the moment that that happened, it affected your sleep. You got a cold that you couldn't shake and it's just, it's just that you know, one of the things that we learn about just our, the whole grieving process is that so many things happen to us and it's just running on such a low level that if you're not paying attention, you know, um, you may think, oh, this didn't affect me at all. But um, actually, it's really it can affect your immune system. Right. It can affect your energy <clears throat> levels. And um, I don't know. We just just kind of want to share with you guys just just kind of like how we are been processing. So what do you, what are your thoughts on, on, on how you've been processing? Well, I think for my aunt, it was a different kind of case because it was a scenario where she had been sick for years mm-hmm. on and off with different types of strokes. And um, like, so it wasn't, it didn't come as a complete shock. If it came as a complete shock, I think I would have had a harder time. I think Mm -hmm. like if it had been the way your sister passed, I would have been like really thrown for a loop. But I was thrown for a loop with your sister, but I wasn't as close with her. So Mm -hmm. I didn't have, um, you know, overwhelming um, changes in, in the way I actually you know, coped with life. I have more mm-hmm. changes right now. Like you said, my sleep was disrupted with my aunt. My, um, I, I have this cold. It's just weird. And I know that it's all a part of it. But I overall, I feel like I'm handling it pretty well. You know, mm-hmm. there's not a day that goes by where I don't think about her. Mm-hmm. I don't think about the decisions um, that were made leading up to, um, you know, her ultimate um passing it's just a lot on the mind and then around these things there's always family drama Mm -hmm. and that i think partly stressed me out more and you know one of the things that we see a lot with grief clearly a lot of people know the stages of grief but we cannot tell someone else how to grieve Right, And so I feel that there was uh, some 
members of the family or member members of the family who are saying we shouldn't do this and we shouldn't do that you should grieve this way and you shouldn't grieve that way mm-hmm. and i think it adds to the stress it really added to the stress so you know it was just a lot to take in a whole lot right. and i don't judge them for the way they felt well, because lo- that's how they felt sure but i think it just for me it added more stress because i can't conform to how someone else says i should grieve right and and a lot of emotions are flying around you got you got um the emotion of sadness which is uh-huh. obvious um and then you got the emotion of anger which which i think that anger is sometimes i think it's probably a masking of a deeper pain that people don't want to really realize and so anger is more i would say a reflection of a really really deep mm-hmm. emotion that probably is being redirected in another mm-hmm. way, which is being redirected into anger. And so that's where you get these outbursts and that's where you get people, you know, want to fight each other, want to kill each other, you know, you know, even though they're dealing with death. And then you have feelings like guilt. Um, you have feelings of... Um, I had a lot of guilt. My really? guilt was that, you know, did I spend the time that I should have spent with her, mm-hmm. you know, when she was okay... Did I call more? I should have called more. I should have appreciated this more. I should have appreciated that more. Every single time. You know, when your dad died, I felt the same way. When your sister died, I didn't really know your brother because, you know, right. we, we had, had just, just gotten, gotten together. Right. And, you know, as, as if you and if you guys are fans, you will know that we got married within the same year of meeting. So I didn't have that much time with his family. Right. And for your grand, your grandmother, I didn't really have a lot of guilt you know, I think I spent a good amount of time with her. But, you know, your dad, your sister, and now my aunt, I felt like, oh my goodness, did I spend enough time? Just the feelings and the thoughts that you go over and over and over with. You can't right. change anything, though, with those thoughts. So eventually you okay. have to like... But it's okay to embrace whatever emotions that you're going through. So the point is, is you just you embrace it by allowing yourself to go through those thoughts exploring your pain exploring your emotions and in that process of exploring you're going to be able to kind of deal with it and then move on because really you know um, a lot of times people talk about acceptance and acceptance is considered to be one of the last stages of grief but you can never really truly get to that acceptance until you've processed some of the other things that you the uh, emotions that you're going through yeah so and it's a moving on and you know an interesting one that i'm i've noticed and it happens probably um probably with everybody i was gonna say young people but probably with everybody and i see it happening with our children one of our children um they're just experiencing some fear some anxiety some real panic attacks right this one of our children she <coughs> sorry for the coughing but one we of wanted our, to get back into the podcast, so one of our children, sorry, one of our children, um, they, um, they were really having a tough time, um, and I first um, noticed it when we were in the hospital when the our the aunt was dying when Rita's aunt was dying. I asked this one of our children to um, to just stay outside the door because I was going to use the washroom. The door was like not locking. And so I asked him to just stay outside and nobody else was in the room except for her lying there. But she was lifeless and she was not, you know, at that point in time. Um, she was still alive, though. She was still alive. But, it, you know, she was in her last moments. And this was one of the rare moments that everybody else wasn't in there. Right. I think everyone was down the hall. They had they just, had just finished eating. 
Right. And everybody was there like because they would like around the clock be. Right. You know, and so I think you were probably the last person. I there. was. No, I was in there because I said I had already eaten. So I said, I will, you know, stay there with her aunt. But then I had to use the washroom. And so I asked my do- my child. Then So then I asked my child if they could just wait outside. And it was so interesting. She's 15. She's 15. And my child, all of a sudden I heard her crying. And I was like, are you okay, sweetie? And when I came out, she's just like really crying hard. So I'm thinking, it's okay. You know, you know, um, I understand. And, and she started panicking about my wife, Rita. She was like, where's mommy? Where's mommy? I was like, mommy just stepped out. You know, you, you saw her when she left. She went to go talk with another family. She's like, but she left her phone. She left her phone. And I don't know where she is. And it's just like she started panicking. And I think what was happening was she's looking at the body. She's Which, traumatized. My by, aunt is still alive at this point. She's but, still alive, but right. she's looking at her just lying there, mm-hmm. almost breathless. Mm-hmm. And um, and she's traumatized by just the fact that this person that she had just talked to probably just maybe three weeks before we had we had had a dinner and there was a birthday party and literally that's what it was yeah. it was like three weeks before she was fine she was totally fine and it, I just I think it really freaked our daughter out and she was just like I I, I don't think she could handle the suddenness of the death and the thing about this is 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 that. They had just watched another aunt, which was my sister, who was 44, who she had just had Thanksgiving dinner with three weeks after Thanksgiving dinner. She passed. She passes away. So I just think it was just overwhelming for our daughter. And so fear was just, you know, gripping her. So out of the blue, she just started panicking over me and wondering, Dad, you know, I just want to make sure that you're okay. It just out of the blue. And I was just like, wow, she's really concerned about her parents and you know, whether we're going to be around. And it's just, um, I mean, that's that's kind of normal for that age group to to feel that, you know, experiencing the trauma. But it's just, um, I never knew that, though. That's it's the a thing. reminder that they are truly processing things right. in their way. And we talk to them. We go through it with them. But I didn't realize but that it's still like it, kind of lingering. Up, right. right. And, and you'll think they're okay and then something will creep up and... But we imagine I, that I think we'll be going through this for a while with them. I think so. But when I I think about myself, um, I remember in particular um, with my dad. You know, I remember for many nights having these dreams that my father was alive again, and I was just sitting there like, I can't believe it. Like everybody thought he died and he didn't die, and it felt so real. It felt so real that he was alive and that he came back to life and he was the first person that came back to life. And it was just this (laughs) this scenario that kept Mm -hmm. on playing over and over in my mind that he's not dead. He's alive again and he's one of the first persons and everybody thinks he's dead, but he's not dead. It's just the, the scenarios that would play out in my head and it was just, it's the stage of shock and denial that was playing out in my mind. And while I may not have had that many conversations about his death, um, my mind still needed to process it. Yeah, I remember dreaming about your dad, too. But it was in a way where 
he was sitting on some sort of hospital bed in a hospital gown and he was silent and he was just staring and we were all talking and I kept turning around to your dad in the dream going, don't you say a word because you're not even supposed to be here. <laughs> so it was like my brain was saying, he's not supposed to be sitting here in this room. Right. So every, every time it looked like he was about to say something in the dream, I was like, don't, don't, do not, don't. Don't say a word. And it was so weird. And I woke up like, whoa. But I remember after your brother died, your sister had said something like, I just keep looking for him. We were driving around Toronto for different Mm -hmm. things, getting ready for the funeral. And your sister was like, I just keep feeling like I'm going to see him walking down the street and just be like, he didn't die. He's right here. Like denial is powerful. It's very powerful. Like when your dad, after he passed, Mm -hmm. after he passed and he was still in the bed before they came to pick him up, I was like, any second now, he's just going to move this blanket over from off his face and say, what are you guys doing? Why do you have this thing over my over my face? Right. It was such a powerful thought that I kept looking at him waiting. Waiting for something to happen. And it sounds so delusional, but it's like, I just wanted to suspend reality at that moment. Like, no, this mm-hmm. is not really happening. Right. It's, a, it's, it's very powerful. And, and for other people, before the person dies, a lot of times um, the shock and denial can be just like, no, this is not going to, this is not going to um, result in death. Like, Mm-mm. no, it's not that Mm-mm. serious. It's, you know, and so we go through these things. It's, it's our body's coping mechanism to be able to process and, and, and get eventually to the place of acceptance. But, um, you know, sometimes we have to thank God for the shock because if we didn't have it, sometimes we wouldn't even be able to cope. But that shock and that denial kind of like delays the inevitable pain and 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 the, you know, the the depression, because that's going to be the next part. You know, the sadness, the loneliness, the the depression that's going to eventually come on you. It, it, it allows it to kind of like slowly go through it so that you can get through all of those stages yeah um and then of course there's the bargaining um went through that you know and sometimes um when you're religious a lot of the times you could not recognize it necessarily as bargaining um but you know you start you start having those conversations with god and you know those promises that you'll give or um but it's Nevertheless, we, we, we begin that bargaining process. If if this happens, then I will do this or that, you know. I mean, we talked about your... Did we talk about your sister's passing before on a podcast? Because I don't, sure. I don't remember, but I do right. want to repeat this, though, that Merthel's sister in passing... Like, I can't even say this for my aunt because after this major stroke, she was basically... She never even came out of it. So she wasn't even, we don't know what she was aware of and whatnot. She never opened her eyes, really. She never spoke. Mm -hmm. So this cannot apply to her. But I want to say something about Rose, um, Merthel's sister. She took the news that she was passing, the best I've ever seen anybody ever take it. Now, when I say the best, it doesn't mean everybody has to react just like her. Right. But it was quite remarkable. It was quite remarkable. Because it was in one week. And she had to have been going through some shock, though, too. Oh, yeah. There had to be some shock. There had to be. There be some shock going in there. We we didn't know anything was wrong with her. She didn't know anything was wrong with her. And then all of a sudden, you're getting this diagnosis like, you have two weeks. Right. And she died in one. So 
the thing is, she took it so well. She didn't stress everybody, anybody out. Like mm-hmm. she had um, an 11 year old at the time and an 18 year old. Right. She wasn't, she didn't fall to pieces in front of them. She was strong for them. And everybody copes with things differently. So if, if, if you cry and that was you, and let's say you cried, I wouldn't say that that was weak. That, no, that would be amazing just, no. you know, to process and to, and to be able to deal with that pain openly. And mm-hmm. so this is not like a comparison. It's just we were just shocked at how she was able to cope. Right. I think our expectations were that she was going to be a wreck. Right. And either be really angry or really weepy or something but she was like polite pleasant um still talked with us joked around with us um Mm -hmm. was just present for as long as she could be for that week and and then she slowly sleeps uh went into her sleep and then of course passed passed away away. and It was just like we had been exercising this summer. We had all these plans and we had just moved into the same city. So I was thinking we're going to spend all this time together. I'm going to be close with my sister-in-law and then just like that. And my plans mean nothing compared to what she thought she had planned for her whole whole entire life. life. For her husband husband and her children. So Mm -hmm. I'm just saying from my point of view, I had to, um, along with the grief, I had to now even cope with the loss of change of plans. You're not here for that. Yeah. I thought we were, but that's not the major thing you're here with because we were only here a year before right. she and passed. And we really thought that this, this move to the city was a major part was just to bond with my sister. But in that year, we did. We did. In that year, we year we really got um, close and spent a lot of time and it was really beautiful. Right. And I'm so grateful for that year. And one of the things with grief is it does make you more grateful for the time that you had. For sure. And... Um, no relationship is perfect. My relationship with my aunt was not perfect growing up. Um, but after she started to get sick, I think she reflected on certain things in life. And she started to really um, behave and act differently towards me and a lot of other people. And we were able to see such a beautiful side of her come out more mm-hmm. and not that she wasn't beautiful before but we were able to see more of it over these last several years and so i we at her you know at her service we were able to say all these beautiful things and even if she had passed a long time ago when our relationship wasn't as good we still would have been able to say wonderful things but just these last several years we saw a beauty and a love for god mm-hmm. and a love of giving and a love of just just her thoughtfulness was so out of this world it was just wonderful yeah it was a really nice time and i just have a a very strong appreciation for memorial services or some people call it celebration of life services mm-hmm. funeral services i just have a great appreciation for them because they're so needed in the process of um, just the process of grief. They're so needed just to be able to reflect on that person's life, to be able to 
talk about that person even even in this podcast just talking about my sister and i'm not sure for you hun but talking about your aunt i just you know it is it's truly therapeutic and um a lot of people may say to a person that is still holding on to the or they may they may use the words holding on like i just used to depression or sadness and as if this is a bad thing but actual you know the sadness and talking about it is a good thing mm-hmm. and you cannot rush a person through this period of sad reflection um you know you, you can't try to talk them out of it they have to be able to talk themselves through it mm-hmm. and it's so it's so important but right. oh, i i just like have such a great appreciation for the for the memorial service even with your aunt because i knew her but i didn't know her as well as you did and when you go to these services it's just you hear all these stories you're able to laugh sometimes of course sometimes you're, you're you're able to cry but you get to really know that person especially if you didn't get to know them fully and different aspects because right. she related to and we all relate to different people in different ways um one of the reasons why this aunt my aunt was so close to me was because um as people who have been listening to the podcast know I was not raised by my dad or my mother but I was raised on my dad's side and so this aunt that passed away was my dad's sister when I was a baby she played a pivotal role she would um, come over every day do my hair she would introduce me so funny she had me she gave me my first credit card and she introduced me to a lot of different things for a while we even shared a room so she was like a big sister and aunt at the same time as i got older we kind of drifted she was doing her thing i was doing my thing um but i would say that for a long time in my childhood she was very pivotal and although she wasn't as um active as i became like a you know middle school teenage years she was still always around she was still but then she started you know getting married and doing her stuff and Mm -hmm. so but i I say this to say that she wasn't just an aunt not that just an aunt is not bad like sure an aunt can be very close to you regardless but for me she was for a time like a a big sister sister, and we would fight sometimes like a big sister and a little sister Mm And so I had a lot of memories like that. And um, so it's sad. It's sad. Mm -hmm. So we just really wanted to come back and say, this is what we were doing. Sure. You know, this is our life. The Onyx life is not always pleasant. Right. And deal with all the sort of things. And so we know a lot of people are going through this. Right. And um, so so the last stage of grief is acceptance. And a lot of times people try to associate acceptance with um with the stage that is like you've forgotten about the person now and now you're completely moved on and you're just like you don't even remember them anymore like they try to make it so much more than what it really is and acceptance is not about completely forgetting about that person at all and it's not about being 100% happy and joyful um a lot of acceptance and what it is is the ability to move on and begin to restructure your life and to begin to resolve some of the challenges that you may face with that person being gone and your life beginning to, you know, normalize and start to look and be shaped 
in a new way of moving on. And that may bring um, some some more lightened feelings and, and your depression and, and deep sadness um, at, in this stage definitely is impacted. But it doesn't mean instant happiness necessarily. Um, and so um, people, to, to explain what acceptance is, I would say it is the ability to begin to move on and resolve some things in 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 the whole process and and the you're not at the deepest darkest place anymore you're now yeah, moving I mean, on we can juxtapose this with some people that we know they were older but when their spouse died and this is more than one person mm-hmm. when their spouses died they just stopped living and then died a few weeks after right like that literally happens with some people and that is the opposite of acceptance yes. they were not able to accept they, exactly they gave up they on gave life. up on life and it's like your brain is very 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 powerful right that's right so a lot of people <clears throat> a lot of people will um that that will happen yeah, yeah. Their, their whole body will just shut down. Mm-hmm. It's like taking orders from the brain that mm-hmm. I can't go I, on anymore. And I don't so. want to. Right. And I don't want to. So um, while another person will will kind of fight, will kind of fight to find um, a new normal for them. And um, one of the people that I, I admire how they went through the grieving process is my mom. And I've had to see her go through it many times um, with children, with she her children, strong. with her with her parents. I've seen my mom go through it. Uh, then, you know, probably one of the most challenging was with my dad and um, and watching her reach that place of acceptance um, has been remarkable because her life looks different now. It's completely different without a spouse, without her children. It looks different, but she has found a way. She's amazing. To be able to move on. She does and um, she, all sorts of speaking engagements. Right. She's, She's wrote written a book, two books now. And, and she has the another one book. Mm-hmm. It's coming out. It's coming out soon. She goes to the gym. She right. <laughs> cares for others in the community. She goes and, and ministers and, to other people in the community. I mean, and she's just a powerhouse of faith and what it means to still love and miss the person, but continue to live because her time is not yet. So right. she's still trying to do what God has called her to do for her life. Absolutely. it's She's amazing. And I'll plug her book, The Good in My Afflictions. And... It's a it's a truly powerful book, and if you ever go on Amazon, you should definitely check it out. It really will help you to kind of see it, you know, sort of firsthand how a person, uh, especially a godly woman, will use her relationship with God to be able to move on. And and I think that you know, th- there's a part in the Bible that says that those who are believers do not grieve as those who do not believe. And I oftentimes would contemplate that that how how can people who just does not have that hope that they're connected to a divine source who has a part of the plan of this whole picture is to bring back those who are loved ones back to life again and i and i just can't understand what it feels like to grieve someone where you actually believe you will never ever see them again and there is absolutely no hope in that and i just it's it's hard for That's me to awful. imagine that. I yeah, can, I can't. I can't imagine. I know that. that they reason it in their way. Sure. For me and you, we, it would be unfathomable right. for us to believe in the in that way. 
I get I gain a lot of hope and a lot of peace of mind with the thought that I will see this person again. Likewise, definitely those uh, those words and those promises in the Bible uh, mean a right. lot. That they are asleep. Right. And that they are waiting. Right. And when so. you see them take that last breath, to me, and someone's eyes is closed, to me it's just like I still feel that they're just sleeping, but now it's a deeper sleep. It's one where you know their soul has gone back to God. Mm-hmm. And that one day they will wake up again and that soul will return. It doesn't make us not miss a person. It doesn't make us not care about that. Oh, don't worry. We'll see them. Right. No, it's still a, a, a profound sadness, sadness and grief. Yes. Because we miss them. But what it does is we have hope. Right. We have a faith. And because for us, there's nothing to lose feeling this way. We don't lose anything by feeling this way right number one we don't feel we are wrong but let's just say we were wrong right what did we lose what did we lose by saying and having that hope why would i want to think another way for what it's not delusional to us this is as real as our life here that we will see them again so for us we don't look at it like um if we had happened to be wrong that we would have lost something in having that hope Mm -hmm. having a positive outlook on anything in your life anything cannot hurt you cannot hurt right it cannot hurt because even with this cold i'll be tempted to be like oh my goodness this is never going to end and, you know all these negative thoughts and i mm-hmm. find that oh my goodness i'm getting short of breath but then when i start to look at it from a positive way i'll say you know what just relax take some deep breaths you know, you have this cough, you're going to get over it. And it relaxes me. Like, Myrtle's giving me the smile right now, but he knows how I am. He knows how I feel. And he's probably like, oh boy. But seriously, for me, it's a big deal to even have a positive mindset when I'm in sick. In everything, in everything. Because with when I'm sick, that's it usually. Now, like, I've, you know, I, I, I freak out. So for me... That's one of the areas I get tested with the most is when I'm sick or something like that, or when my children are sick. You know, I had, a, I had my one of my daughters was sick with some little virus, and it was like, Rita, stay positive, <laughs> stay positive. Right. And it's so easy for Murthel to kind of laugh because he doesn't think about these things. But for me, it's difficult. So it's not just stay positive about people dying. It's it's a it's an effort to stay positive over every little thing in life to big things right right so you know absolutely so just you know our message to you is is that whatever part of the process of grief that you may be going through and and you don't just grieve people you can grieve circumstances in your life there's many things that we could lose um some people have lost a limb you some people have lost a job right um you you grieved when you left toronto i did i left well that was not just losing Toronto it was you know my calling as a, a pastor well, in I, that mean, form. I didn't mean yeah. it that way I'm saying you right. le- you grieved when you left right and so you can you can grieve so many different things and we're just saying that um, one of the ways to get through it is to just talk openly about that don't be ashamed about your feelings don't feel like there is a better way and a good way to do it um, your way is your way. There may there may no, be some markers. I think that there's some healthy ways to do it. I was about to say that. Yeah. There is some there are some markers that can help you along right. the way. 
there's some markers that can help you along the way to see whether this is healthy or not. But what basically what I'm saying is, is that um, sometimes people are misguided and try to rush you along. And um, and, you know, and there may be a time where somebody may identify somebody, especially someone who is very familiar with the processes and, and professionals that they can, you know, they can help you along to see when you may be holding on to something a little bit too long. But um, but for the most part, I think a lot of people are misguided mm -hmm. and a lot of people that especially don't understand grief, they try to push things along. And I just want you to be mindful that you can go through it and um, at the most inopportune times, you know, you said something very important mm -hmm. that you can grieve a lot of things. When we first got married, because it was such an abrupt change in my life, you grieved to your... <laughs> to move away yes. and to basically marry you, which who I barely knew, then all of a sudden get pregnant with our first child right after mm. the wedding. Mm -mm. Like I literally grieved for a while my old life. Mm -hmm. I just I was it was so much change and it was overwhelming. And this is pre internet. Like pre like right. You know, it was like right on the cusp of it. Right. So but you didn't have the opportunity to stay connected to people as well like as you now. would now. Right. Yeah. Not not like now at all. And I think that even yeah. though this is a little bit different, but I think that postpartum sometimes can be uh, a part of it can be grieving as well because you're you're grieving this change and the trauma that some people mm -hmm. go through in in, in um, pregnancy. Right. But I know. grieved like before I even had our right. first i was just grieving like i was just and i don't think you understood it or even i understood it no, that i was no. grieving it was just like but isn't what that is sad? wrong with you get, it, get it together but isn't that so sad it is sad that sometimes even in positive times in our lives we can process a positive thing in a very um challenging way like grieving it like that that's sad to me that that something that should have been completely positive was something that was challenging you know. Well, I think it's all in the way you do things. Sure. And because I had gone forward, just headstrong, I know I want to do this, I underestimated what the changes would look like right. and how Life I would challenges. feel once it actually mm -hmm. happened. Right. You know? Because we were naive. We were young. We were naive. And when the challenges of finances came and when the challenges of, you know, the hardship in the marriage came and communication and all that things. So, wow. It's just it's just a reminder to our audience to let you know there are so many things that you could end up grieving. You could even grieve a good thing. But I wouldn't say that I... It, I know that one of the issues, though, was that my hormones were really off. Because mm -hmm. I was pregnant, my hormones were just like cranked up sure. by like a hundred. So the grieving had a lot to do with my hormones out of whack and all the changes. Had we gotten married and stayed where I was familiar, I would probably cut the grieving a bit. But right. all the abrupt changes, like all of a sudden I'm in this new country, you know, mm -hmm. in Toronto, new culture, new culture. That you were not familiar with. I mean, everything was so unfamiliar. I couldn't, I couldn't help it. I, I started to rethink my decision. Like, what did I do? I loved Marthel, so I wasn't going to leave, although I had threatened a few times. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we had gone through a lot. And that first year of marriage, especially when you're young, can be quite the ride. So mm -hmm. it wasn't just, oh, I'm grieving and everything's so spectacular. No, we were arguing and 
we had all these pressures because you know i'm about to like now i'm pregnant i'm gonna have a baby soon and you know we're still getting to know each other so i mean we talked about this extensively mm-hmm. all i'm saying is that when you see these things in people we have to couch it in a frame of this could be grieving and the kind of patience that you would expect or you would want for someone who's like grieving let's say a death you need to have that same sort of patience for someone that's grieving a death of a opportunity or opportunity or a situation their health or an old life loses a leg or uh, their eyesight or you know whatever you know um many things that people grieve and so yeah you have to lend that same respect the same patience we have to learn to recognize it right that's true too and uh so if you find yourself in shock or denial because you've faced something that is traumatic and you're in a grieving process that's normal pain and guilt that's also normal. That's like the second phase of, if you're looking at it from a seven, you know, seven stage grief, anger and bargaining, that is also very normal. Um, depression, reflecting loneliness, feeling of loneliness, that is normal. Um, the, you know, um, trying to reconstruct and working through your situation and beginning to come out of it. Don't feel guilty now that you're not as sad that is also normal and coming to a place of acceptance and home all of this is normal and if you don't go through it in that process of shock first then pain and anger then depression and somehow you did anger first then you got shock and then you that's also normal because not everybody goes through it in the exact same way and so i'm just trying to help you to you don't identify it um, it's okay to go to somebody who is a counselor uh, or a pastor who is trained to, or a chaplain that's trained to cope with uh, things like that and having the conversation that is absolutely normal and it I would recommend it um, or a good friend just having a good friend that um, if you want to be a good friend a wonderful thing to do is to be a great listener because sometimes we may speak too much and we may say things that just is not appropriate. I know so many people that have just uh, just wanted to say something so badly. And unfortunately, they said all the wrong things. And so sometimes just... <laughs> well, I have to say this. This, yeah. is, this was funny to me. We're all at the bedside. It's like the whole family is there. Mm-hmm. Most of the family. 99% of the family is there by my aunt's bedside. And um, so there's a big group of us. And the pastor, my um, my grandparents' pastor, my aunt's pastor was there. And um, it just made me smile because I think he was a little nervous because mm-hmm. we're all, <laughs> he knows what I'm going to say. So we're all there and um, he's he does like a nice little talk, stuff like Marthel used to do, you know, when he was a minister. And um, at the end of the talk, he said, thank you for coming. And then... <laughs> He paused for a second, like, wait, he realized. wait a minute. No, I shouldn't. And then he said, no, wait a minute. No, I, I shouldn't be, say, say thank, thank you, you for coming. coming. And it, you've and invited me here. Yeah, um, you've invited. Me, uh, it was so awkward. And then he just started talking like in circles because yeah. he just he just was, was trying to dig himself out of that. I'm sorry, but it was funny. Me and Rita were, I, I it, it was very inappropriate to be laughing, but we just 
We could not. <laughs> we just we tried we're not holding to laugh. it back. We're holding, we're holding it back, it back yeah. real hard because we understood when you're around a grieving family and there's a large amount of people. You're the pastor. You're trying to say the right words. Like I understood what was going on, right. but it was just sounded so funny. Thank you for coming to your own family's. Yeah, but he's bed. he's so into the process <laughs> right. of that, of a program, a program. Right. So he's looking at this like a program, or at least he's like just being functional, right? And no, uh, I think it's just automatic, you know, it is automatic because yeah. when you get up there as a pastor, you kind of like, thank you for it, it, a part of closing off everything, you know, is thank you for coming out. And now we're going to bow our heads right. and pray like it would just be or like when I'm on the phone with some like delivery guy or, or a service person and I accidentally go, OK, love you. Wait. Right. No. Yeah. That, because you're so accustomed right. to saying love you. So yeah. it's so, it's sort of like anyway, that. It was a lighthearted moment. I don't know but. if anybody else noticed because I know me and Marthel were like, oh, we totally noticed right yeah. right away. So, but um, anyway, thanks for listening. Join us again Monday through Friday. Show notes are found on theonyxlife.com. Join our Facebook, The Onyx Life. Follow us on Twitter at The Onyx Life and on Instagram at The Onyx Life Official. Now go live that Onyx Life where change comes with challenge. See you next time. Mm-hmm.